And pastor asked Christy and me to cover for him for a couple Sundays. And I just want to say thank you. I know at some point they're going to listen to this. And I just want to tell Pastor Diane, thank you for the opportunity to do this. I've waited 30 years to preach a sermon. And today's the day. So I'm not a seasoned preacher. So you're not going to get a seasoned delivery. And um, <laughs> told like three to four weeks ago that we're going to do this. And it's like you got a whole month to repair. Or, yeah, repair. Prepare and repair. Because that's what goes on. And then everything happens to where it gets put off. And writers do a lot of their best work at the deadline. <laughs> so guess what I was doing last night after work? <laughs> I told Christy this morning, I was standing at 1 o'clock in the morning rebuking my, my computer and my printer because they decided not to talk to one another, and I get this strange error message I've never, never seen before. It's like, no, not now. <laughs> so the title of today's message is, um, Why Search Out God's Word? We heard in the songs about God coming and mending hearts and speaking to generations, speaking to a generation to declare who he is. That's on two different levels. And um, I hope to break out today why we need to drill down and dig into God's word and see his different levels. And the first scripture I want to look at is 2 Timothy 2.15. As you're turning there, I'll read it, and it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, a pastor has been preaching a series on the Father's heart in regards to prayer, and he mentioned last week that he had been to Dave Olson's church listening to Lou Engel. Does everybody know who Lou Engel is? He's one of the global big guys. And um, he does things like God, he'll start telling people years in advance, I'm going to be preaching in a stadium, and it's going to be filled with like 60,000 people, 100,000 people. And then years later, a few years, and we're talking a short period of time, it's happening. And he's predicted stadium events, and they've happened. And um, Lou happened to mention in his message the subject of God's covenant with a man, um, God's covenant with us, man, in his message. And Pastor said he realized when Lou mentioned that, that he forgot to talk about the covenant aspect of prayer in his message to us. This is getting hot. I don't know where I'm hearing it from. So I propose to you that Pastor didn't forget that. He was supposed to hold that point of the Father's heart and his covenants until last week. And while I've spent time trying to put points of this message together, in last week's message, Pastor touched on many of the same points. Is that better? Maybe that's why it's echoing, because it's really loud. In last week's message, Pastor touched on many of the same points that I've been hearing from the Holy Spirit. So I'm just sitting there thinking, yep, yep, there's another one. And so he actually framed for me, to help, and it helped me for today. And that's part of the process. And it's actually part of a process that we all get to experience. So in praying about what to do, because I had so many rabbit trails going here, I sensed that the best thing to do 
is to pull out some of the points from Pastor's sermon, since he touched on some of the, several of the same of mine, and then I'm going to drill down on one, and that is the word invitation. Pastor discussed last, in last week's message how God invites us to invite him into our lives. Now, that's kind of an abstract thought, but it's exactly how God works throughout much of our walk with him. God's word talks about secrets and mysteries. Now, here's a secret that is eventually revealed to us if we get that far into our relationship with him. He invites us to invite him in everything we do as a Christian, meaning anything we have decided to do in our walk with God because he knows, because we know he wants us to do those things. We are deciding to do those things with and for God because he asked us to. He invited us to do those things and stirred our hearts with invitation or through invitation. Then we directly or indirectly said yes. You picked up your Bible and read it. The Holy Spirit was nudging your spirit to do so. You said a prayer because you know you needed to and wanted to. The Holy Spirit was already all over that prayer need and dropped the thought into your head to do so. He was tugging and drawing on your spirit with an invitation to pray along with him. So starting from wooing us into salvation to us making Jesus Lord and walking his lordship out in our lives, those are actually two separate things because a person can be saved but never choose to make Jesus Lord of their life. This is the invitation process that happens as we learn scripture and how to operate in scripture. It happens when we delve into new adventures with him and when he grows us into new levels of spiritual maturity. Now back to what Pastor had heard that triggered him to remember something he needed to add to his message last week was a snippet. It was a snippet of a much greater message God was sending to people around the globe already. What Lou preaches, you can hear threads, bits and pieces of the same message from others around the globe because people at that level are many times hearing the same thing from God. And they're on the same wavelength in the Lord. And when God sends a big message from his heart, many times we can recognize this event is happening because the same thoughts are come, coming from different origins, different people in totally different places. And when you become familiar with how God works, you can, be, you can begin to see the big message, like it's coming in waves. These events, the waves, these are invitations. And I call this an event because God will repeat his message in different ways through different people. So if we are paying attention, we can catch that wave to watch it, and as we're listening, and to participate in what he is about in the moment all around the globe. And we can all be doing and working on that same message in different ways. That's called the big picture. It's global. I want to drill down another step here. God will have a separate message in smaller doses for individual houses like us, the local church. And he'll tailor it to the need of the church and what he wants to happen in the church. And for us, pastor's been sharing the Holy Spirit's message on the Father's heart and prayer 
and a few other things sprinkled throughout. Now, preachers preach messages they believe the Holy Spirit has spoken to them to share with the people. There are usually invitations laced through the messages, open invitations from the pulpit to search out and follow God's word, open invitations from the pulpit to receive salvation, many, many direct invitations read straight from actual scriptures. But the least thought about, but most prevalent, are countless indirect or hidden invitations in the scriptures as put forth by the Holy Spirit. Now, to drill down to another level, we get into the personal, and we've gone from the big message global to the local house, now personal. The personal, direct, and indirect invitations between us and God can come from any one scripture in the Bible. I don't care if it's Jesus wept. There's a personal invitation in that. Now I want to talk to you about and have us think about why we should take a little deeper look at what's inside a scripture. One scripture versus doing the quick once-over reads of passages of scriptures we oftentimes do while reading our Bible in a devotional time. So we're going to think about why search out God's word. Why take a scripture, one, search through that one scripture and pick it apart? It's because we're invited to. Last week, Pastor said at the beginning of his message that God places us in families and invites us to invite him into our lives through prayer. Invitation in our relationship with God is the activity of process that never stops in our Christian walk. And through the process of invitation and response, God begins and continues to bring increase in our Christian life. We can see the big realm of how God can give messages all over the globe and dovetail them together through his people. He does the same in our individual lives. Everything in God's realm, the tools he gives us, like Bible, Bible studies, prayer, praise, worship, music, acts of service, and much more. You've got other things that you are probably thinking about. All these parts and pieces will dovetail together to bring about the results that God wants in us. Now, Pastor's been talking about the tool of prayer. I'm going to add a few thoughts on Bible study that puzzle piece together with prayer. Prayer and reading the Bible go hand in hand, and they work synergistically with each other. Now, the word synergistically simplified basically means that there are things working interactively or cooperatively so that each element or party increases the effect of each other. So prayer increases the effect of what we read and learn in the Bible, and what we read and learn in the Bible increases the effect of our prayers. As Christians, we pray to learn more about God, inviting him deeper into our lives, and when we pray this way, we've actually invited the Holy Spirit to become our teacher, and the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being our teacher. He's teaching us how to read the word, how to study the word, how to apply the word, now, we all know this, but how often are we thinking about this process? 
because God fine-tunes and he hones in on the basics that we're all very familiar with. He'll go back to the basics to make another point sharper. There's nothing new under the sun. So it's all the same throughout our walk. It just kind of changes just a little bit with each level. So as we're learning to actively read, study, and apply the word, we're actively learning about who God is to us. Where we learn about him on the global level, how he's functioning. We learn about him, how he functions in the local church. And then he also wants us to learn. And there's a never-ending process here. We will never know Jesus completely until we see him face-to-face. And I even wonder about them then because we'll never get to the end of understanding who God is. So there's always something to learn. So... Now remember the secret about God inviting us to invite him. He has this way of of manipulating circumstances in a loving way to get us to say, oh God, would you please do that? Well, he was already all over it. (laughs) He was already wooing, inviting us to invite him deeper into our lives to become our teacher. So when you desire for the Holy Spirit to teach you, That's actually the Holy Spirit getting in here, pulling on your heartstrings and say, hey, I want to talk to you. And so you get this hunger in your heart. You know, I'd really like to learn about this. And that's the Holy Spirit that's already been at you. So the next step is to take what we learn from him as teacher and use that information in prayer to help us function as children of God, as men and women of God, as soldiers of God. You see the growing process. Remember, prayer and studying the word are two elements of the Christian life that work hand-in-hand, synergistically, helping the different aspects of our Christian life become stronger. When we get into God's word like this through prayer and study, why does it work to bring about the changes in our life? How does that happen? How does God's word become so powerful that it can make a change? The word itself. Have you thought about the, how powerful the word is? Have you, have, you, have you just mulled on that, chewed on that, thinking, you know, if I read this scripture, what's God going to change in me? Well, God explains in his word in Hebrews 4.12 that his word is alive and active. And 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And I've never had the word cut my joint and marrow, and I'm not sure that I want that to happen. But it says it can. And I have a feeling, it, I think it relates to the disease process. You can actually apply scripture in your prayer and it's getting into the physical being and disrupting disease process and bringing about healing. So the scripture finishes to say that it's the dividing of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, if the word of God can create surgery and joints and marrow, 
and kill a tumor, set your endocrine system straight, heal a brain injury, make a leg grow, what can it do in here? In our thoughts and the intents of our heart. Do you give it a chance? Do you look at a scripture? Do you ask God to lead you to what you need to know for a broken heart? For grieving? For uh, frustration? For anger? So that the word can get in there and do its work that we need it to do. I was digging online for some information and I came across this explanation and commentary on Hebrews 4.12 from a, a blog, blog spot called Connect Us. And it says, I'll just read a couple of little paragraphs here. It says, the word is a mysterious, powerful force. It refers to the will of God, Galatians 1.4, the truth of God, John 17.17, 17, the good news of Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 1.25, the decrees of God, Jeremiah twenty two twenty nine, the Holy Scriptures, Matthew fifteen six, and the Son of God, John one fourteen. The Word is eternal. It has been said that if we read the written Word with faith, then it begins to read us. Nothing is hidden from God. Nothing about our own motives, our own desires, our own hearts is hidden from the Word of God, though it is hidden from ourselves. God is alive and active, so his word is alive and active. Our hearts are laid bare before his word, his truth, and his understanding. That's powerful. And in this article, the sentence I read that says, nothing about our own motives, our own desires, our own hearts is hidden from the word of God, though it is hidden from ourselves. This is stating the truth that there are things about ourselves we don't even know. There are things buried deep inside of us that only God knows, and he longs to reveal those things about us to us. Now, how many times have we tried to fix something in us, and it didn't work? It just made things worse. Or we went to somebody else, and we might have got help for a little bit, but it wasn't the cure to the problem. Or it got worse, and we got frustrated, and some people give up. They quit serving God because they can't get that thing changed. It's like they feel like God gave up on them. I will never, we may never know where that moment came that they went astray. And we know we've all faced those moments. And, and for myself, I can only say that because I stayed willing to be honest with God in the good and the bad, it left an open door. Because I was willing to say, okay, I know I'm wrong. I, you know, and I could give you examples of when I've said things to God that would make us cringe. And God said, I knew that was in there. He got me in a corner said, yeah. You finally admitted to me what I already knew was in there. Now it's out. <laughs> I couldn't hide it anymore, and it couldn't do me damage. Because I spoke what was in my heart. I spoke the truth to God and said, I need your help. This is, you know, it's like maybe someday, well, I'll get a laugh about some of those, but a testimony of something that's happened recently in the last year is 
a while back, I realized I was stuck. I was frustrated, but I kept trying. I'm focusing on what God is doing around me and everybody else, and, but I'm still feeling stuck and depressed. Nothing working right. I'm praying. I'm repenting. I'm asking God for help. Repenting means to change your mind. And so, you know, when you've got something going on and you're not thinking right and, and we sin or not, it's still just not quite right thinking, um, God will give you what you need to help you change your mind. And then you can change your direction, you know, turn away from that which is bringing about the damage because he, he's straightening out your thinking. He's helping you change your mind. It wasn't happening. I kept falling back into this pit. I'm not hearing him. I keep asking. Finally, I'm sitting at my island. And again, I said, I said, okay, God, what do I need to do? You know, I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of struggling. What do I need? What are you thinking? I, I instantly heard and felt the word grieving. And it reminded me last fall, he told me at one point, you're grieving. And I didn't think I was. I was functioning, living life. But we can get used to living with a detriment or with, um, what do I want to say, a disablement, a disability in us. We can, we can be so used to that, we don't even recognize it. We grow up in those things. They're so familiar to us, we don't re recognize something that needs changed. And I'm, I was functioning in men's my strength, you know, I've had so much damage in my life that this was no big deal to me. Okay, moving on. It wasn't working, and God wasn't going to allow me to move on because it wasn't working. And when I felt that word grieving, it, when you hear something from the Lord, most of the times, 99.9% of the time, it's not audible. But it's more like a, a thought that goes through your head, and then you feel it, you sense it. It's a, it's a feeling sense type of thing, and it's hard for us to explain. There are no words on this earth to describe some of God's activity. But when I felt that, heard that word in, in my mind in that split second, I immediately thought about a particular incident that started a year ago. Now, did I think that? God put that in my head. He led me right back to the beginning of this incident. And the Holy Spirit had been telling me since last fall that I was grieving about a serious issue. This was really a serious issue. And I knew, I knew last fall that I was going to need some help. Specific help. Now, I could still function in my daily life. It was no big deal. But I know the process here, and I knew it was a big one. But it wasn't coming. Um, the door for that help didn't open. And the help for my need that the Lord had spoke to my heart wasn't happening. So... I continued to be active, and I was putting the situation on the shelf until the help materialized. Um, but I wasn't getting fixed. That thing was sitting on the shelf back here, and I wasn't getting fixed. But it, life had to go on, and I was struggling, but I didn't know why. But now he had my attention. And I was again, he was again reminding me that I'm struggling because I'm grieving I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I felt like I was. 
and it didn't take long. This all happened just in a matter of two, three seconds. And it didn't take long, and I started feeling or sensing very light waves of comfort right there in my kitchen. And I'm, I know where I'm sitting, and I just felt this right there, and it was like it was over there. And I could have almost missed that sensation, but I knew it was there because I have felt it before. And I, I recognized it. And it was in the spirit. And I realized that he was offering his comfort to me. And I needed to actively receive it. The second time it came, within a few um, minutes later, I actually prayed this time, prayed to receive the comfort being offered. I could have kept moving and doing life and believing I had it. You know, hey, it showed up. God spoke to me, and I could have kept going. But there was more in the moment that he wanted to do. This one wasn't working like the same way. It was different. I suddenly knew that I had to actively receive this. And it's an activity that we all have to do. We all have to actively receive from God his comfort. So I spoke and I prayed. I receive your comfort. I receive your comfort. I receive your comfort. And in that moment, that comfort then came and came around me. And it was very light. It wasn't a big deal. I could have missed it, but I felt the shift. And when I received, when I prayed to receive that, immediately in my mind's eye was another little vision. And I saw Jesus' two arms placing a robe on my shoulders. I didn't expect that. I didn't even work to imagine that. I didn't work that up. It just happened. That's what it's like moving with the spirit in a moment of your need. It's giving him the time to do that. It's waiting for him. And you're saying, Lord, what are you thinking? Pay attention to what crosses your mind or what you feel in your heart. Now, this has happened to me before, and there's a huge message in this activity and in the receiving of the robe. And it has to do with righteousness, and he was reminding me of my righteousness that he had given me. I had felt... I kept functioning, feeling unworthy. I kept functioning, feeling like I was stuck in mud. I kept functioning, trying to throw off the heaviness, and it wasn't working. The vision didn't last long. It was a couple seconds. Then I decided to work up or look up the word comfort in the scriptures, and I opened up my Strong's Concordance on my phone, and I started looking through scriptures with the word comfort. Psalm 23 stuck out in my mind because of thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me, and I'm thinking, okay, rods and staffs. You know, they kind of smack their sheep around with those things. And I'm thinking, and, okay, but there's comfort in that. I, I know they use it as protection. <laughs> but I was expecting to be hit <laughs> with a rod of, and a staff because of my disobedience. But God wasn't having that. That's not where he was headed with this. And so I began picking through the words in verse 1, and I looked them up in my, my, my Strong's app, and it says, I shall not want. Okay. So I read through the list of words. It was kind of jumping at me. Want means to lack, by implication to fail, which is exactly what I felt like I was doing. Lesson, be abated, which means to reduce in amount, degree, or intensity. To put an end to, to make void. How many times have we felt this in our lives? That area of lack, that area of want. The next word. Bereave. 
There are more words, but you get the picture. I had no idea that in that scripture, in the word with the word want, was going to hit bereavement. I was grieving. And that's what happened within just a few minutes in my kitchen when I gave God time. He pinpointed it. He drilled down into my heart in an area that I couldn't get to. And we all have those. Are you giving him time to drill down into those, those areas where you're lacking, where it's dying? He showed me something about myself I didn't know. The grieving was affecting me in negative ways. I didn't realize I was grieving so deeply. I, and I wasn't going to learn this about myself until I heard it from him. He saved me hundreds of dollars in psychiatric bills. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone there anyway, but, you know, you get that picture. What do people do? I was given a moment in God. I experienced his word, his presence, his healing. I experienced God at my kitchen island. Now back to the earlier mention of invitation. He drew me into that because I gave him time. I listened. I, I, I really actively tried to hear him. And throughout the Bible, we are directly and indirectly invited to search out and study his word. Why? Because he wants to do this very thing. And he'll tell you great and mighty things about yourself you didn't know that you don't even give yourself credit for. You're going to find it in you're going to find you in the word. So, the example like of a direct invitation is like in 2 Timothy 2:15, study to show thyself approved unto God. That's a direction, that's a directive. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a lot in there, and I'm not going to break that open. But in 2 Timothy 2.15, we can read and understand we are told, being told to study to show thyself approved unto God. To be able to rightly divide the word of truth. Now, this may be considered a command, but there's nothing in this universe that can force any one of us to follow this instruction. And how, However, the Holy Spirit presents this command in such a way that is actually an invitation from God to study the word. Now, in this portion of scripture, Paul was speaking in this written letter to Timothy, encouraging him to study the scriptures to correctly handle the word of truth so as not to be like the others at that time. They believed in the resurrection, but they were twisting some of the truth in there and um, getting people off track. So Paul was encouraging Timothy not to do that. He said, really study? Well, they had to study the scrolls. So he apparently had um, access to the written word of God to be able to study it. And Paul wrote the books of First and Second Timothy. But it's the Holy Spirit who spoke through a human being who penned this instruction. And with the example that I gave to you that happened to me, can you imagine what they were feeling as God was speaking to them? When they gave their time, committed to writing the Holy Scriptures, God had to woo them into that. You know, who sits around for how many years? writing down stuff you've never seen or experienced before and remembering the old things and bringing them, tying them back in. Who does that? That was inspired by God. 
just as scripture said, gave them the ability to do so. I had the ability to change after that moment in my kitchen because God was in there. And when you get, when you give him the time to come and wrap you in that robe, and we all have one, if you know Jesus Christ, you have a robe. Have you seen it? Have you felt it? It's there. It's possible. Paul was encouraging Timothy to study the scriptures. And um, through a human being who penned this instruction, he's telling us that he wants us to study his word in a direct invitation. We read further on in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I was receiving a correction. Was it bad? You feel they said, you need to realize. No. He was telling me that this was an area in me that was dying because I was grieving. I couldn't do anything about it until he got in there. And I didn't need to let another human being get in there and mess around that didn't know what they were doing. They had no business touching that area of me. God needed to do it. You've got areas inside of you. No human being has any business messing around in. I'm not saying that some human being couldn't come and pray with you and allow and be a conduit for God's anointed to come and heal you. That happens all the time. And we even need counseling to help us adjust some things, and that's fine. You know, God sets up people like that. But there are so many times when people who are not under the anointing of the living God getting in there messing around people, and it makes things worse. So I'm going to go into Psalm 91 real quick. And if you turn to Psalm 91, I'll, I'll read that in a minute the first scripture, but in regards to the teaching, rebuking, correcting, all of these parts, all of these are parts of the Christian life, the life with God. We all need every one of those to happen to us. And God uses them and he dovetails them together in and out of our lives. Sometimes we need teaching. Sometimes we need rebuking. And he does it in such a loving, gentle way that he doesn't do it in an offensive way. What he does, he's actually speaking to that damaged area that's in you and giving you the ability to get a handle on that and make a change. And it turns out in all goodness and it's positive. He dovetails that all together. Now back on to Psalm 91. I'm going to talk about indirect invitation. And this is where a lot of people don't go, is indirect invitation. It takes, it takes some growth to be able to function in indirect invitation. You're doing it more than you realize. But I'm going to, shed a, I'm going to turn a light onto this and hopefully help somebody. We read in Psalm 91, we are indirectly invited into God's chambers, his secret place. Psalm 91 says, 91 says, He who dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now we can see in the rest of Psalm 91 the benefits of dwelling and abiding in his secret place. It's a place of divine protection and provision. 
does God give a direct invitation in Psalm 91.1 or anywhere in Psalm 91? No. About biting in his secret chambers. Is there a direct invitation? I don't see one. It's like, come on, come away with me. Come and be with me in my secret chambers. You know, a direct invitation. I don't see that. But if we stop and dwell on the entire psalm for a few minutes, we can see in the wording, we are indirectly invited to dwell in his secret place. Psalm 91, like I said, is about divine protection, the protection of the almighty, A-L-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Who does want that? Where is this protection found? Under his shadow. Where is his shadow? In the secret place. How do we find out where the secret place is? That's a question each of us has to ask God individually. Right here is where the dividing line is. Are you ready to go there? To ask him where his secret place is for you? Some of you have already done this. But did you stay there? God has to show each of us where our secret place that he has specifically for us is. By taking us there, we can't get there on our own. Or it wouldn't be a secret place. We're going to look at one more scripture in a few minutes, and it's John 3.16. I'm going to drill down one more time in that. But as you're turning to John 3.16, I'm going to talk about this process. I'm going to mention that this process that I'm talking about getting to the secret place here the invitation, the wooing, and the, and the receiving. It's the process of the intimate relationship with how we have with God. You can't grow without it. This is where God wants each of us to be. And in the process of asking him to show us, he reveals the path to his secret place in the word that each one of us individually are to take. You can come and you can get fed by pastor all you want. And you can eat off of his messages and you can be filled. But you'll never find your secret place. I mean, he'll say something that will mean something to you. Well, that's a trigger. That's an invitation. It's up to you to go there. How many times do we walk out of here and, um, or we've heard, uh, like when Dave spoke, or we've seen and um, read something in a book and, Oh, yeah, there's something about that. I really like that. But we didn't go there. We didn't dig that out. That's an invitation. God wants to show you something about yourself. He wants to speak to you his heart. He wants to show you something that's coming. Did you go there? He, so he reveals the path to his secret place in the word. In the scriptures, one by one, one, one paver at a time, one step at a time. It's a preparation, and it's in the realm of the Spirit that he opens up as we read his word and spend time with him. You won't, you won't start with just one scripture and immediately get there, or you might, when you figure this out. You'll start with, usually start with reading a passage like you normally would, and Something will speak to your heart, jump out to you, like I mentioned. You'll look that up, maybe take some notes. 
You'll pray about it. You might be getting deeper answers right away. That's how this process works. Or you might, you might have to get back in your Bible again and start where you left off. Then you'll make a few turns in the Word, reading a few scriptures, and eventually you'll start seeing some deep stuff. That's where it comes in. Because you've done this, and that's where faith kicks in. You believe God's going to show you something. Your faith is kicking in here. So as you see how things are working synergistically and how his word is starting to, the Holy Spirit is wooing you deeper into his word, deeper into himself, and he'll start showing you things you've always wondered about. You want some answers that you haven't gotten. He's waiting for you to give him a moment of time that he can take you to where those answers are. And he begins to show you things about yourself you never knew. Now, there are many resources to help us when we start drilling down on a subject. Uh, concordances, study Bibles with commentaries, books by authors, even a plain old dictionary. I get a lot of information from Merriam-Webster. And it's incredibly interesting how it lines up with definitions that I pull out of Strong's or uh, commentaries. I'm not saying everybody has to be a deep studier or thinker. We're not going there. What I'm saying is, is in your everyday daily devotionals and something piques your interest, go there. Go to that part of the garden with him so that he can show you in a, something in a place where you've never been about yourself. Okay, now here's the one more drill down. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know how much information is in that scripture? Do you know how popular this scripture is? How many millions of people have gotten saved by this scripture alone on the first read? When they hear it in a message? And the pastor might briefly start pulling out and skimming across the salvation message with the scripture. How powerful is the scripture? Now, like I said earlier, every scripture has an invitation in it, and many have more than one. If you start drilling down on the words in the scripture, you're going to start unpacking unimaginable things. I've been focusing on this scripture for many years now and every once in a while I'll get a new I'll get a new uh, perspective on it God will open up something else if you look at the words by yourself um, yeah by yourself and right now what about for God do you meditate on the fact that you have a God have you ever done that what happens to your brain if you sit there and meditate on the fact that you have a God what happens to you? Just start paying attention to that. Or, he so loved the world. Countless messages have been unpacked out of those words. That he gave. What do we do in our Christian life? What, does, what, does, what is Jesus all about? What do we become like? His only begotten son. There's a sacrifice in that right there. And there's different viewpoints on that sacrifice. That whosoever believeth in him, what does that trigger in you? For me, it's faith. 
For somebody else, it might be something else. Should not perish. I'm going to pull out the word perish here in a minute. But the last part of it is have everlasting life. That's huge. Have you torn apart what is included in everlasting life and that we have it now? The moment you got saved, everlasting life started and everything that comes with it. Have you unpacked this term or this subject of everlasting life and how much belongs to you more than we can imagine? Are you, are you actively living in your inheritance from everlasting life because you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and made him Lord? You get a bunch when you, he's your Savior. You get even more when you make him your Lord. It just increases. Because then he teaches you about being his, your friend, you know, your teacher, your comforter. <laughs> you know, he just starts unpacking all this in your life more than we will ever be able to, to handle or receive. So you can start to see and get a glimpse into one scripture, what one scripture holds and what happens when you unpack. If you hold an acorn, how many trees can come out of that? Can you take that acorn apart and pull out a tree? Every single tree? No, it has to go through a process, doesn't it? That's why when you sit down to study the word, you're not going to get it all at once. It comes in segments. It comes in measure. It comes at different points in time. And then he will add to it. And then he'll take you back to something previous. And then he'll, he'll teach you on a new thing in that old previous. You know, I could twist this all the way around and God's done every bit of it. It's all process because it's not a straight journey. You're not going to get from point A to point B in a straight journey. You know, you've seen those Facebook memes where, like, here's point A, here's point B, and here's my life in between, you know. And it's, it's all like, the God, that looks like a mess. Nope, nope. I had it all planned because he's in control. So let's b back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, perish, but have everlasting life. Some messages say shall not perish. Now I'm going to drill down on the word perish. This is the last drill, drill down. But I'm going to give you a caution. Keep in mind the beginning part of the scripture of God's immeasurable love and the sacrifice of him giving his son and Jesus choosing to die on the cross and why for us to help us and activate our faith and give us everlasting life and everything that comes with it, more than we can ever think or imagine, so that we should not perish. The word perish. Let's unpack this word. It means to destroy fully. Reflexively, to perish or lose means to perish or lose without conscious thought. That means you've made a choice, a wrong choice to do something that you desire to do, but without thinking. You just you did something and it wasn't wise, and the decision causes that part of your life to perish. So 
also in that word parish, when I'm looking it up, it says it's literally and figuratively. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, that's just two ends, <laughs> opposite ends of the scale here. Literally is in a real sense. To destroy, die, lose, mar, like being marred, something's marred. Perish, lost, or be lost. Figuratively is different. Literally, God doesn't want anything on us to be really dying, like in sickness or actual death. Figuratively, he doesn't want anything in our lives to look like, act like, smell like it's being destroyed, dying or dying. And he doesn't want us to lose in life. He doesn't want us to be marred by anything. He doesn't want us to perish and have the thing, anything belonging to us get lost or us feel like we are lost because we're grieving. I can guarantee every one of you in here today has an area in your heart that's been touched by grief. And you're living actively with grief. And it's deep. Sin and sickness, whether ours or somebody else's, causes grief. And if it's not ours, then we suffer. We can suffer the ramifications of somebody else's choices. And we can be devastated by it. So you need to sandwich that word perish and all that it means between God's love the giving of his son, the hidden story of redemption in the scripture, and all the meanings that you will find when you pick apart the words eternal life. This is what happens when you drill down into a scripture. Did you know all that was in that word perish? And if you open up each one of those words even more, you're going to find more meaning and more understanding. Probably more than you want to know. I happen to thrive on that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not die. Now granted, death is a part of this, but some people die early and they're not supposed to. Should not be destroyed. How's your emotions? And the sickness that you deal with, what's it doing with your emotions? Should not lose unless it's something you really need to have taken from you you really need to that needs to be gone but in the process of that he wants to give you the victory on the other side of it you should not be marred whosoever believeth in him should not be marred for eternity you should not feel like you're lost you should not have items lost whosoever believeth in him should not have items lost okay now use that in prayer take each one of those words do you see the power that starts coming when you unpack a word in a scripture? When you unpack a scripture, you start getting an understanding of what is your right, what comes along with that robe that you own, that God has given to you. There's different levels, and every time you start to dig, God's offering more comfort, more peace, more understanding, more power. This is a legal document. No matter what binding it comes in, this is a legal document. Look at how much is in this legal document. Every scripture is a 
invitation to know what's yours, even if it's just Jesus wept. There's so much power in that. What is he, why was he weeping and who was he weeping for? Are you drilling down on what's yours? Okay, so I've taken you from global to local house to personal to scripture to one word. Do you see the path here? Do you see how nobody can actually run the same path? Because when you and I look at the word destroy, we're going to think something different. We're going to have a different need in a different area. And that's the path that God is building for each of us. Because then we get back to, okay, we're coming back up now. Perish, sandwiched in the, in the middle of all those words of John 3.16, the good, the good stuff. Coming back out into, we went to 2 Timothy 2.15, studying to show thyself approved. So you can rightly divide the word of truth. You need to know how to rightly divide the word of truth. Why? So that you know how to apply it to your life. Why? So that you can have the godly experiences he wants to give. Why? Because we're examples. And somebody else is going to need to know how to do this. In Meyer's commentary, Hoffman says something to the effect of with Timothy dividing the word, it's like cuts of meat. It's like dividing up meat for sacrifices. There are, per there are portions of the meat that's used for certain things and portions of the meat that was used for something else. It's the same with scripture. You've got to cut through that scripture and find out what's in it and cut it up rightly so that you can apply it to your life. And when you use that in prayer, see the synergism, how it's working synergistically, and then you stand on this in the face of the enemy, the document that God has given us, he can't fight that because you just spoke what God said. God said, I'm not going to perish in the midst of this. I have claimed this for other people, and I've watched them not perish in the middle of their circumstances. That's a legal term. That's a legal function right there. It works. God's word is alive and active as a double-edged sword. There are positives and negatives to the double-edged sword. And you can produce both. So why search out God's word? Because we're invited to. You may never see this scripture the same way again. Did you know all that was in that word perish? And there's more. But you won't remember what I've told you. Because you didn't walk this path. You'll remember maybe bits and pieces and you'll know the principle. And when we share stuff with people, they usually, the biggest part of what they get is the principle. And then they can apply it to know how to do it for themselves. We just went into the secret place. We just stepped into the secret place of what the word perish means and how it's hitting us. You really need to dig out the rest of some more. I want to say some more. We'll never get to the end of it. Some more of John 3.16. And John 3.16, by the way, is, is a battle scripture. It's a battle scripture. I'm going to wrap it up here.
It's in the secret place where God's best work is done in us. It's in your relationship with him and how personal you get. If you take a look at some circumstances in my past history and people that I know and recently somebody shared with me something that another person said and they compared those people with me and knowing that we're related and it was shared to me that this other person said what happened to them and my other relative said it's not what happened to them it's what happened to Carrie that was huge that was huge to me as a testament of God's work I've waited I want to thank Pastor and Diane for this opportunity to share a sermon I've waited 30 years to do this So if you unpack, that's why you need to study, because you've been invited to. And just, just take this as a direct invitation to search out and study the scripture and unpack for yourself your path to God's secret place. And then spend time in that garden. And he'll show you different parts of your garden that he has waiting for you.